Good morning. Yesterday, our crafty women had a wonderful event up here, and I would let, um, Regina spent a whole lot of time making up invitations for, to send out, and there was one person who didn't get their invitation. So if you didn't get your invitation, it could be because Jodel at 24-27. So Jody, I want to personally present you with your invitation to yesterday's uh, ladies' event so that you don't feel left out and get upset. Uh, to make sure that you're okay today. In, in, in Korean, we call that the kibun, that you're feeling good and you have a good sense of feeling. And I just want to make sure that you are, know you are appreciated and welcome and loved. Even if Balaam is talking... Oh, this morning as we get together, we're going to continue what we talked about. started talking about yesterday. Last week, not yesterday. Um, last week is where we've been going through this ish series on Galatians, talking about this area of grace and faith and how we as a church and how we as the body of Christ should come together. In chapter 1, Paul's theme was, you can't do it. You're not enough. It's only through the grace of God that you can come to God. But then as he starts off in chapter 2, he says, but... I want you to try to work and please God. Those two things. On one hand, I can't please God, but on the other hand, he's telling me to please God. I can't please God, I've got to try to please God. How does that work together? And then Paul, last week as we looked, he kind of gave two pictures, two illustrations from his life to show how he had been trying to please God up until that point. He talked about how a life of legalism how he had, as this Pharisee of the Pharisees, right? He, he'd been out there working hard and, and trying to do all the right things, but for the wrong reason. And then he brought up another topic of hypocrisy. Now, people are, there's so many hypocrites in the world today. We hate hypocrites. We hate people who wear these masks and they're, they're not true to who we really think they are. If, if I meet Dave on the street, I want him to be the same on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday as he is on Sunday morning. We ought to have, be the same and not have this fake mask. And these are people who know the good to do. We know what we should be doing, but we choose not to do it, right? And Paul brings up both of these in his illustrations and his examples. Talking about we need to make sure that we are living rightly, and not following his example from earlier in his life. And then he brings up the, what we're going to talk about today. He says, but set aside this idea of legalism, set aside this idea of hypocrisy, and instead embrace faith. Embrace this idea of faith. If you're truly, truly, truly wanting to please God, it's all got to be couched in this picture of faith. It doesn't matter if you're doing the right things, if you have the wrong reason behind it. Doesn't matter if you have the right reason, but yet you're not doing it. They need to both be couched together in this picture of faith where you're doing the right things with the right reason. You do the right things for the right reason. That's where faith is kind of in, in that picture there. So that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about it briefly as, as, as a big, bigger picture, as what is faith, how does it apply to us, how do we please God through our faith, and then break it down and look at how does that apply to us as a church right? We have a church that's 60 years old. How does that apply to us every single day in our coming on Sunday morning, 
in the ministries we're involved with throughout the week, in what we do at our jobs throughout the week and in our communities throughout the week? How does that really impact us? Is it just a Sunday morning thing? Or is it a 180-hour thing throughout the week? So as we get into it, let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning as we delve into this issue of faith, just kind of covering it briefly. Lord Jesus, I thank you, God, and praise you that you are the immeasurable Almighty God. We exalt you this morning, lift up your name, and praise you for who you are. Not just a statue on our mantle, not just a set of words or a collection of ideals, but you are the living God. And God, we invite you into our midst this morning as we get ready to look at the Word of God. Let your Holy Spirit come and fill us this morning, move among us, touch our hearts and our minds, and convict us of areas in our lives that are not perfectly in line with your Word and your will. Make us more like you. Help us to discover the godly character that you want us to have the righteous living you desire for us. And not just discover it, but live it out. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. As we look at this issue of faith this morning, understand this, that nothing great can be accomplished for God apart from faith. Would you agree with that? Nothing great can be accomplished for God apart from faith. I can be the smartest man in the room. I can have the most gargantuan cranium in the room that doesn't, won't fit on this platform. I can have all the education. I can have all the riches, all the wealth. I have all the good looks. But I can have all these things, and it means squat if I don't approach what God wants me to do with faith. Because, see, what we do for God isn't based on our abilities and our talents, our knowledge, our wealth, or any of those things. It's based solely on what God wants to do through us. Think about it for a minute. If it was, based, if it was all on me and my shoulders, how far would I get in what God wants me to do? Not very far. Maybe, little, maybe about as far as I got in school. Right? But yet, if I want to truly be used by God and let Him use me as He desires to to see transformational change in our communities and our neighborhood, I have to bathe everything I do and every action I take in Him. Every step I take needs to be bathed in prayer and move only as He tells me to move, as He allows me to move. And not just weigh my pros and cons, do the Benjamin Franklin thing. Well, if my pros outweigh the cons, I'm going to do that. But sometimes what God wants us to do doesn't fit into that mold. Sometimes God tells you to do something that doesn't make any sense in the world's eyes. It's like, really? You studied that degree in school? <laughs> or you didn't go to school or you didn't finish school? How can you be successful if you didn't finish school, Right? I know several people in here who did not go to college and they were very, are and were very successful. Look at some of the most successful people in business today. They did not finish school and yet the world tells you, how can you possibly be successful? Their knowledge, their, their wisdom is not always valid. As we look at how to be pleasing to God, understand this, that only through faith 
are we accepted by God. Only through faith are we accepted to God. It's kind of like you have this equation, this mathematical equation. I'll I'll do it because you guys are backwards. Right behavior with the right belief equals God's blessings, right? If it's my behavior, my belief, God's not going to bless it. But if I couch it all in this idea of of the right behavior and the right belief system that are based in prayer and and couched in prayer and brought up in prayer and faith, God's going to bless it. Maybe not the way we expect Him to, but we'll see His blessings. Sometimes, as we read through Scripture, David's been taking us through some of his favorite uh, Bible passages this year. These are awesome, by the way. I always have a comment I want to say, but I don't want to ruin what you're doing up here. Sometimes, the blessings of God, if we read through Scripture, they aren't necessarily how the people expected them to turn out. Right? Right? We follow God's leading not because of the expectation, not because of the result that we expect, that we think we're going to get. We follow God's leading and trust in Him because that is where we want to be in the center of His will. That is where we're going to find the biggest blessing. That is where we're going to have the greatest success in His kingdom, in His purposes, not necessarily in ours. And that's okay. See, it's not faith plus something else. It's not our faith plus something else that brings God's pleasure in us. It's He justified us by our faith alone. Look at verse 15 and 16 this morning. Paul writes this, he says, We ourselves are Jews by birth, not Gentile sinners. Because the Jews, remember, they were so proud of themselves. We, were, we are the people of God. We are the children of God. We aren't like those Gentiles. He says, we are Jews by birth, not Gentile sinners, and yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. And so we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be what? To be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. Because by works of the law, no one will be justified. In the Old Testament, we have 600 and some odd laws that were given by God to the children of Israel. And in their minds, in order to be justified by to God, we had to obey all 600 and some odd laws. And yet, when you read Scripture, you find out that the reason God gave them the law was to show them that they couldn't obey the law to have themselves justified to God. It's only through the sacrificial suffering of Christ Jesus on the cross for us that we can find this justification to God. In three weeks from now, We're celebrating Easter. We're celebrating probably the greatest celebration in church. Christmas is always a big deal, right? It's God come in the flesh. Little baby Jesus in the manger and the sheep and the goats and the cows. and Oh yeah, and he's so cute and even his poop didn't smell because he was God and and, uh, all those things. And and he went to Egypt, took his pet flea with him to Egypt and and he came back and all this stuff and and he was a perfect child. How'd you like to be his brother and sister? Why can't you be like Jesus? You know? But three weeks from now, we're going to celebrate 
the perfect life that Jesus lived. Not just his life, but a sacrifice on the cross for you and I so that we could be redeemed to God again. So we could be justified to God again. Not based on our actions, not based on our works, not based on anything that we have done, but based solely on what he has done on our behalf. I pray that you grasp that, that you really, really understand that, because then it takes all the weight off our shoulders. It's like, why am I trying to do all these things, and why am I trying to justify my, and, and weigh my, my good outweigh my bad, and why am I trying to do this if it doesn't make any difference? It doesn't. None of that matters. You can be the best person in the world. And God says, without Jesus, is nothing. See, without, it says, with Jesus, you have been justified. What does that word justified means? Paul uses it four times here in this passage. It literally means to render innocent or to be righteous. The Greek there doesn't mean he becomes innocent or becomes righteous. Because in our minds, we start off as a little baby and we sin, we sin, we sin, we do things that are wrong our whole lives, and eventually you come, you make a decision for Christ, and then he saves you. So uh, maybe in our minds, I'm becoming righteous or becoming innocent. But in God's eyes, when he meets you, he said, you are innocent. From the very beginning, he's declared you innocent. He declared you guilty. Your record was expunged. There's no record of any sins. Period. So when he's, he looks at Drew, he looks at Rich, he looks at me, he looks at others of us in this room, he says, you are my child, I have justified you, I have redeemed you, I have forgiven you, your record expunged. There's no record. You are innocent. You are righteous because of what Christ did on the cross for us. I don't grow into that. He declares it. So why then do we carry this burden around with us? In fact, Luther says that this idea of justification by faith alone is the doctrine on which the church stands or falls. Calvin called it the hinge on which everything turns. That's how important it was to them. Spurgeon said this in his catechism. He said, he answered this question, what is justification? And his answer is, justification is an act of God's free grace, wherein he pardons all of our sins, accepts us as righteous in his sight, and only for the righteousness of Christ imputed in us, and received by faith alone. Why is faith important? Because without faith, we cannot please God. Without faith, I can do nothing to get God's attention. Nothing. But I'm doing all these good works. Lord, Lord, didn't you see me? And Luca talks about that. Lord, Lord, didn't you? When I cast out the demons, when I did all these things, he says, go away. I never knew you. But Lord, Lord, didn't I see? No, go away. I never knew you. You didn't do it in you were doing it of your own abilities, of trying to do it of your own volition, trying to let your good outweigh your bad. Go away. So we are accepted by God because of His actions in us born out of faith. Not based on my actions, based on His. Hebrews 11 tell, details these 
stories of great men and women of the past whose lives were radically transformed by their faith in their Creator. I love reading Hebrews 11. These are people like me and people like you who had, they weren't any smarter than us. They didn't have, they weren't any more beautiful than us. They didn't have any more talent or abilities than us. They just trusted and had faith in their God. Think of Noah. God says, build a boat before there was ever any rain. Uh, What am I going to build this big boat for? You're going to want to build a big boat. But God, it's huge. You want to build a big boat, (laughs) right? Abraham, I know you've been a sheep farmer and a goat farmer. I want you to pick up all of your stuff and follow me to where I'm going to take you. Uh, God, do you have a map? Uh, I got a spiritual GPS, but you can't read it yet. Just trust me and follow. David, there's a big giant out there talking smack against my kids, my people, and against me. I want you to go, but God, have you seen how big Goliath is and how little I am? Go. He picks up five stones, puts them in his pocket, walks out into the middle of the field and says, you are not going to talk smack against my God. Picks up a stone. Was there anything special about that stone? Uh, Nothing, except it was guided by the hand of God right into the middle, smack middle of Goliath's forehead. You know why he had five stones and not just one? Goliath had four brothers. Just in case one of them, another one decides to come down, he's ready. Following Jesus, following God, stepping out in faith. Normal, everyday human beings just trusting their God to light the way, to guide the way where they, he wanted them to go. There's nothing special about them. There's nothing more special about them than there is us. We are all the same. These are people who who are in business. These are people who are tradespeople. These are ones who are educators. These are people just like you and me with the same skills, the same knowledge, the same ability, the same faith as you and me. We read about these people in the the Bible and we go, I could never do that. Why not? Why not? What is stopping us? you're stopping you your fear a lack of faith hebrews 11 1 says this now faith is the reality of what is hoped for the proof of what is not seen for by it our ancestors won god's approval i love that translation it's the reality of what is hoped for the proof of what is not seen and look at verse 2 for by it our ancestors won God's approval. Not because of what they did. Not because of any actions or how many times they'd read through God's word or how many times, how much time they'd spent on their knees in prayer and not how many times they showed up here. is because of their faith and their trust and saying, God, you lead me. I'm willing to follow you wherever you want me to go. And whatever you say do, I'm going to do. It's that Willingness to follow, that willingness to say, God, I'm, I'm, I'm yours. Use me. I want to exalt you with my life. I want to exalt your name, lift you up. As it's not about me, it's about you. That's how we win God's approval. Both before and after the law of Moses, his truest servants approached him on the basis of their faith. The greatest works 
that were accomplished by these men in Hebrews 11 was done through their great faith. At least what we deem as great faith, right? It's like, how could I be like Noah? How could I be like Abraham and Moses and all these others? When God told Moses to go and bring the people out of Egypt, do you think that God was already going to do it? He'd already had in his mind his plan to redeem his people, Israel, out of Egypt. And he said, Moses, I want you to come and be my instrument, my tool to go and accomplish what I'm already set out to do. So when Moses just joined God in that, he got the blessing of being a part of God's plan. He had a choice to say, no, I'm going to stay here and hang out with these sheep for another 40 years in the desert. He could have. Remember, he lived 40 years in Egypt. He killed this Egyptian guard, and then he spent the next 40 years in the desert raising sheep. And then he spent the next 40 years leading the sheep of Israel through the wilderness back to God. He had a choice to stay in the desert. But God said, I want you to come. I've already, I'm going to redeem my people, Israel. I want you to come along. Many times we let our fear get in the way of what God has already laid out for us to accomplish. It's a matter of joining him in the work he set out to do. When we went to North Korea to work up there, were we scared? Yes. <laughs> were we like, the first time I ever went to North Korea and I crossed that border, I was like, my blood pressure was up, my, my pulse rate was up, and I'm crossing in there, and I didn't speak very much Korean at the time, and I'm like, uh, what's going to happen? Um, are they going to keep us here? Uh, there's nuclear tests been going on. Are we going to be okay? Check my thyroid, right? Um, make sure everything's fine. God said to our team, I have a work to be accomplished. I want you to come and join us and become a part of that work. If we'd said no, he would have moved to another person. Because he had a work he wanted to be done. He wanted to bless the people there. He wanted to use his children to bless those people there. And he allowed us to become a part of his work and accomplishing the mission. And apart from him, it would have just been humanitarian. But because we invite, he invited us and we joined him in his work, it was so much more than just a humanitarian mission. People's hearts were touched, lives were changed, and transformation will take place. William Carey said this, Expect great things from God. Attempt great things from God. William Carey, the father of modern missions, went to India in 1793. Started the Baptist Missionary Society in England nine years after he got saved. He went there, and he understood that it's not about him. It's about what God wants to do through him. So I'm going to I expect God to do great things. I, he said, I expect God to do work of miracle. I expect God to transform this society, this culture, these people that we're going to work with. So if I know that God is going before me, I'm going to attempt great things. The expectation of God working, the understanding that God was working and going to work, preceded his attempting. What about us? Do we allow our fear of what God wants us to do to dictate our actions? Or do we understand that we serve a great God? 
Do we understand that we serve the greatest God in the universe, the only God in the universe, right? He's almighty God. His name is to be lifted up, and he wants to use this church. He wants to use you personally, individually, to reach into the community where he's placed you. Or do we let our fear keep us away from following him where he wants us to go? When we attempt great things for God, we truly feel alive. That's the second point. Through faith in Christ, we are alive to God. We are alive to God. Not only are we accepted by God, we are alive to God. None of us likes to feel dead. None of us likes to wake up in the morning and go, oh, I've got this massive headache. That's not, we all want to feel alive and feel like we have some kind of purpose in our lives, right? What better way to feel alive in God but then to be accomplishing His will and His purpose in our lives? Look at verse 17, 17 and following. It says, but then, but if in our endeavor to be, let me start, bleh. My tongue is not working. If in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. For if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. Look at verse 19. For through the law I died to the law, so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. If you don't have those two verses underlined in your Bible, you need to underline 19 and 20, especially highlight, highlight, highlight verse 20. So much richness there. We don't have time to get into this morning. We'll come back to it later. It says, I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. If you want to be alive in Christ, if you want to feel alive in your purpose, what do you have to center yourself in? You center yourself in Christ. You center yourself in what Christ did for us on the cross. You center yourself in all that Christ is and wants to do through us. Think of the Pharisees for a minute. What was it Christ called the Pharisees in the New Testament? Whitewashed tombstones. These religious leaders that others looked up to and said, oh, they're the ones we need to mimic and follow after. They were the ones that Paul was referring to just verses earlier. Those who were doing the right things for the wrong reason. Those who knew the right thing to do and yet chose not to do it. They're the ones that Jesus called the whitewashed tombstones. They were living their lives by a set of rules and without faith. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be called a whitewashed tombstone. I want to be alive in my faith because the living God of this universe lives in me. How can I fall down and, and just... God's got something great in store for me. He's been working in my life for 40 years. He's got something great in store for me in the future. I can't wait to jump on that train. Last week we talked about this image of the train and how our church is like this train pulled up to the water spigot, filling up the water into the... What's it? Tender. Into the tender where the water goes in before the steam goes and pushes it down the tracks. Thank you. That's why I have Rich on the front row. 
We're filling up with the water, filling up with the water. The coal is ready there, but the coal doesn't do squat if you don't have enough water in the tender. See, I'm getting it. I'll be educated soon. We're getting ready. The train is up there at the water, getting filled up, getting building up steam, building up steam, building up steam to get on down the tracks to pick up people who are coming, people God wants us to reach, people that God wants us to minister to. But it hasn't pulled away yet. It's filling up with water, ready to build up the steam to get it on down the tracks. A train is not alive if it's not moving. It's just a bunch of iron sitting on the tracks. It's only when it's powered by the steam that it becomes alive and becomes a moving thing, a moving vessel that gets on down to where God wants it to be. See, in us, that steam, that, that steam is built up by our faith. In us, that steam is built up in us so we can get on down the tracks by the faith that we have. We allow ourselves to be filled by, with the faith of God. We can accomplish so much more. Other than without that, we're just iron on a track. Just living, going through the motions day after day. And that doesn't, that's no purpose. That's no real purpose. Hebrews 11.6 says this, Without faith it is impossible to please God. Since the one who draws near to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. That's a scary verse. Think about it. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. I want God to be pleased with me. I want God to be pleased with my family. I want God to be pleased with my church. I want God to be pleased with the ministries we take on. But if I'm doing it in my own power, or I'm not doing what I know I need to be doing, I'm not really trusting in Him, am I? One interesting aspect of faith is it's sometimes following blindly. See, we walk by faith, not by sight. Sometimes the wisest things in the world are not the right things. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says this, Now he who prepared for us, for he who prepared us for this very purpose is God. He who gave us the Spirit has a pledge, therefore always being of good courage and knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Look at verse 5 there at the very beginning. He who has prepared us for this very purpose is God. He who has prepared this very purpose for us is God. We may think we're making plans for our lives. We may think that we are mapping out our future and making five-year, ten-year, twenty-year plans. God told Abraham, go to this land I'm going to show you. I've already got it mapped out. I've already got it laid out what's going to happen to your family. I want you to come and join me there. Abraham could have said, well, you see, my five-year plan says. But that doesn't match up with the degree program that I selected. Underwater basket weaving. I had a plan to set up a shop and, and to uh, have my snorkel gear on. And, and I, but, that's a, but God, you don't understand that the plans that I've made are foolishness to God. 
was we walk by faith, not by sight. When we announced to our teams and overseas that we were move, leaving South Korea, moving up to China, going to try to work in North Korea, people are like, uh, do you know what that country is like? <laughs> do you know about the crazy people in that country? Do you know that they are the enemy of our nation? Yes. I said, do you also know that we were at one time enemies of God? And God loves them as much as he loves us. We stepped out in faith, trusting God to do a work. And we found out that God was doing more of a work in our lives than we could ever accomplish. He did more of a work than us than we ever could hope to accomplish on our own. Romans 14.23 says this, Everything that is not of faith is sin. Ouch. Everything that is not of faith is sin. If you justify changing a job and God hasn't told you to change a job, if you justify trying to change your degree plan and God hasn't told you if you choose, every, it doesn't say something that is not of faith is sin. Many things that are not of faith is sin. Sometimes things that are not of faith of sin. What does it say? That word. Everything. That's a scary word. <laughs> that means every aspect of our lives needs to be bathed and brought before God in prayer. And if I'm doing anything outside of trusting God and stepping forward in faith, then it is a sin. I don't like the sin. <laughs> When we try to do life and ministry in our own power, legalism, it's sin. When we try to live our life as we, as, as we, we want to, not how we ought to live, it's sin. It's easy to trust in our five physical senses. We should be trusting our future to the sixth sense, faith, and trusting in God and letting Him move in our hearts. Do you get the point that faith is important? Do you get the understanding that God views that as critical to our growth and development as a person and as the body of Christ? But that's the hinge. It's right in there. It's Without that, we, we don't have the blessing of God. Right actions, right belief, God's blessing. Without those things, trusting in faith, we don't have the blessings of God. I don't know about you, but I want the blessings of God in my life more than I want anything else. I want Him to believe in me and trust in me. I want Him to go before me and make the way for me. So what does that mean for us as a church? How does that relate to us as the body of Christ, as Mountain States Baptist Church? Been around for 61 years. 1958, it was started. By faith, a little body of believers came together and formed this little church. And they believed by faith that God was going to do great things through them. Seven pastors over 56 years, and each one of those pastors led the church to a different emphasis. Some started schools, some closed down schools, some took on great missions, had missions programs, that, some bought pianos seven times. The same piano seven times. 
They did some great things. God worked in the lives of the people. God worked in the lives of that little church over 56 years. By faith, they supported numerous missionary families worldwide, becoming a sending church to eight missionary families, of which we were one. Eight missionary families sent out of this church. You know how many churches get to send out one missionary family? Very few. And yet this church has sent out eight families to the mission field. That's a training ground that we can rejoice over to what God has done in this little church. By faith, they started a Christian school in the 70s, and then 15 years later, by faith, they closed it. By faith, they sold the old church property, and by faith, bought some property in Broomfield and journeyed in the wilderness for 14 years, waiting on the city. (laughs) But even that was done by faith. Right? Right? We believed God wants to sell the old property, and we believed that God wants to buy this property that the city wouldn't let us build on. And those who were around for those 14 years, you know the struggle it was. Dave and, and Drew and, and, and Mark and Rich too, setting up and tearing down, setting up and tearing down, setting up and tearing down for 14 years, hauling that trailer to the, to the building, filling it up, and hauling it back home. Coming next Sunday, bringing the trailer to the building, unloading everything after church, filling it back up and taking it back home every Sunday for 14 years. By faith, we did these things. Trusting in God. By faith, in 2015, you took a risk on a young preacher who was a great speaker of God's Word. Yeah. I heard about it. <laughs> Pastor, um, here, here's a book to teach you how to preach. <laughs> Nobody in here did that. I had others do that to me. <laughs> you took a risk by faith. By faith, we continue to support 26 missionary families. We've continued to see God do great things around the world through this church. By faith, God planted this property right in our laps. Right after you guys called me as pastor, I said, you know what, forget trying to find property. We're going to let that money sit in the bank, and we're going to learn to become a community in the school. A month later, God says, okay, here you go. And by faith, we step forward into this property that we're at now. By faith, we have continued seeing lives changed, lives transformed, marriages healed because of what this little body has done by faith. By faith, that train is getting ready to take off down the tracks. By faith, there are people down the tracks waiting for us to get there. That God has already got in place waiting for us. Just like he told Abraham, I've got, I'm, I already know what's going to happen in that promised land. I know what's going to happen in that promised land. You just got to get there. Noah, I know what's going to happen once that boat is built. You just got to build it. David, I know what's going to happen when you pick up those five stones. You just got to throw it. Church, God knows what's down the tracks. We just got to get there. We just got to get there and pick up those people, put them on board with us, and get on down the tracks, helping people to come grow in faith. God's got some great things in store for us.
Who knows? 3.1 million people in the Denver metro area. 2% go to any church on a weekend. Less than 2% go to any church on a weekend. We all hear about Flatirons and Red Rocks and all these big Cherry Creek Church and these massive churches that are around here. And it's great. I'm glad God is using them and God is 15, 20, 25,000 people going to these churches. That's awesome. But what about the other 98% that aren't going anywhere? We have an address, 3751 Cottonwood Lakes Boulevard, with 60,000 people within two-mile radius of our church that we can reach. We want to see Christ exalted, lives transformed. The goal is this, to love God, love others, and let the world, let the, let the word let the, let the world see Christ in us. Love God, love others, let the world see Christ in us. I'd love to see our missions giving double and double and double and double again so that we are taking on more missionaries, so we're supporting them at even greater levels than we do right now. We give about $18,000 a year to missions. Wouldn't it be great if next year it's at 50 and then 100 and then 200 and then 500,000 a year? That's more than our whole annual budget now, I know. It's a lot more than our annual budget right now. But wouldn't it be great if we can give 500,000 or 200,000 or 300,000 or whatever we're giving as a faith-led community of believers to world missions to see churches started, to see lives transformed, to see the Lord exalted? What if we were reaching directly into the homes of those who live in the Cottonwood Lakes community? and surrounding neighborhoods, bringing help, bringing healing, bringing holy living into those homes? What if more people are called out of our church to go back to the mission field, to go and start new ministries, to go into the workplace as missionaries? See, there's no difference between sacred and secular when you're called by God. You can look and say, well, you're the pastor. You're, you're called into full-time ministry. So are you. So are you where God has planted you, where God has placed you in that office, in that cubicle, that is your ministry, your full-time ministry that pays you a salary to minister there. Don't view it as a J-O-B. View it as a place where God has called you to minister. What if more people out of our church took on that idea, had that perspective on where God has placed you? What if we were able to start a welcome center here in our church to invite those who don't speak English well in our community to say, come on in here, let us help you with your English. Let us help you as you're moving to our area, as, as you're coming in here as a whatever foreigner you are. Let us help you to assimilate into this community. Introduce them to Christ at the same time. A welcome center. We heard about George Tabacos doing that in Greece, right? how all these Syrian refugees and those from Iran and those from Iraq are coming into Greece and they're not allowed to, the Muslims are not allowed to have this welcome center like they normally do in other countries. So George, as a Greece, former Greece, Grecian citizen, sets up his own welcome center, invites these Muslims in, preaches Christ to them, they get saved and they go back out to reach their people. What if we're able to start a non-profit, a for-profit business here in the Thornton area? Employ people, get them, help them to see a godly way to live. 
Teach them morals and characters and values and let them see Christ in us. And use that as a plant, a way for us to get into the community even more. What if, what could we accomplish if we step out in faith? What if we're able to expand to four and five and six services in this building? At the same time, planning on putting another huge, well, 20,000 square foot, about four times the size we have now, out on the property out there. Who could we reach? What could we do as a body of Christ? But unless the Lord leads in it, it's just us, right? Where's that train going to end up? I don't know. 61 miles of track behind us, 61 plus to go down the future. Where's God got us? I don't know. It's going to take bathing everything we do in prayer and trusting by faith for him. See, we have been freed through faith. We have been freed by God's grace through faith. Now it's up to us to get out there and make disciples of your nation, to make disciples of your nation around where God has placed you. If you bow your heads and close your eyes just for a minute as we close up the service this morning. Who is it that God has placed on your mind as we've been talking this morning? What ministry has God placed on your heart that you've been afraid to step forward and do because you think it relies on you? We're going to take a couple minutes as Drew plays for us in just a second. I want you to bathe that vision and prayer. I want you to bathe those people, those vision, those eyes in prayer and ask God to lead you, much like he led Noah, much like he led Abraham and David and so many others through history. As we take just a couple minutes and pray, you and God.